So it's already Friday, and many people will have come back to Seoul after hometown visits and family gatherings. But if you are in the city already, Seoul Architecture Biennale 2017 is an interesting place, an inspiring place even to visit. It'll make you wonder and ponder the city's past, present, and future, especially. Project Seoul Apparel will take you to a less known location, Changshin Dong, that almost functions like a womb for the Dongdaemun fashion malls. Although the textile industry is in decline, artists are looking for creative ways to regenerate the area. Let's bring in curator Stephanie Sungmin Kim, who's an associate creator for Project Seoul Apparel, and thank you very much for speaking with us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me here. Can you first just introduce this project for us in your words? Sure, uh, I like your expression, um, the womb of the market. <laughs> um, so, Project Soul Apparel is a collaborative live project and an exhibition. It forms, uh, like you say, a part of the Biennale of Architecture and Urbanism. And I created with an architect, Isaac Tong, based in Korea. And this project was born out of a conversation to consider the future of production within the city. So it is a live project as it operates on a real site in Tanjindo. I mean, even people who've lived in Seoul for, for many years might not be too familiar with Changshindong. They'll be familiar with clothes, though, and they may well have been mm. wearing clothes that have come out of that uh, area. Um, what's so special about the district? Well, Changshindong is a district where numerous Small-scale needlework artisans produce garments predominantly for sale in nearby Dongdaemun Fashion District. And basically, um, seven participants, together with, with curators, considered a possible future of Changjindong and came up with provocative solutions that might resonate different responses and reactions. And as, as I said, um, I was fascinated by Changjindong where the network of garment-making factories are interconnected. And it was so centrally located, thriving, and I felt it was very authentic. I mean, I was shocked to see that I had never known about this part of the town. Whilst they have been producing clothes that are sold in Dongdaemun Fashion District since 1970s. Exactly. I, I'm, I'm surprised myself listening to you say that. But mm. what's the issue here? Why, why is it now in decline? Uh, a lot of people who have come to to Seoul to work to find jobs in 1960s, they they used to operate uh, small workshops near Tonghua uh, Textile District, but they have moved, uh, uh, began to move to this area in the 1970s, uh, when the union activity among sweatshop workers in nearby uh, textile market caused the industry to divest. Um, however. Uh, well, Changjindong's close location to Dongdaemun Market is the very reason that it has become a leading garment district. And Dongdaemun Market is one of the largest garment fabric markets in Korea. And it generates 7 billion pounds of sales per year. And one can find the latest fashion here, as well as all types of raw materials for fashion industry. However, uh, it's a lot of people who work in Changjindong, they... they they're very skilled um, and they have a lot of experiences, but a lot of they they find that young people find um, they they don't have kind of the people who will continue the jobs. 
um, because young people find working in Chongqing is a bit shady, um, and also it is under the threat of uh, from all the mass produce, uh, production, like from China and Vietnam and other countries. Um, that are they are using like mechanized chip productions. Right, but how can design and architecture help fundamentally? Well. We felt uh, very strongly that Changshindong textile quarter needs to be considered uh, carefully to be sustainable. Otherwise, it will be swept under the usual gentrification, as well as lose the competition to mass production. Um, so this is where design and architecture might help with thoughts, and by upgrading its hermit-like production routines to be expanded to embrace young bursting designers based in um, Seoul and possibly expanding um, its consumers to international designers who want less mass produce by highly skilled production. We might see Changshindong uh, textile quarter, you know, uh, finding new and young people coming in. Mm. But so, um, you spoke before yeah. about provocative solutions. Um what what do you mean by that word provocative in in this context? I guess we were hoping to have kind of creative solutions, and we ne- we didn't know what the result will be. And one of the architects, Tilly, offered a factory prototype. And this is, I'm giving you one of the examples. And mm. all the seven participants have very different responses and results that came out of uh, conversation with the Changshindong workers and by experiencing it. Uh, so I, I can give you one example from uh, participants from Korea and make perhaps one from UK um, participants. Um, like Jin she suggested a, a factory prototype that would allow experienced workers to collaborate with emerging fashion designers. So far, you know, even though emerging fashion designers want to work in Changshindong, they don't know where to go because it's, it's it's all very closed network. So by having the the exhibition is in situ, so you I urge you to visit, you know, climb up the hilly Changshindong and see the exhibition in situ. And we have turned this X factory space into a working um, a small factory. And Lee had made a space that 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 could have this interaction possible. And from the facade, it will look different to other factories, but not too different. So, like, Soyeon Chu, another architect who's partic- participating in the show, addressed sort of this disorderliness of factories' facade, as they, he felt the types of production and quality works are not being well represented from the original exteriors of the building. It's all like covered and it doesn't have a signage. Um, so by adopting flexible multi-use fa- facades in a, to improve the perception and the function, overall outlook was closer to sort of a gradual change that Changsino might be able to have. And so this, the, the thing that I just illustrated were suggestions by the architect. Yes. We also had um, responses from fashion designers who were invited as part of uh, UK Korea D 
the uh, Connected City, uh, which was a joint project, which I'll, I can explain a bit later. Uh. We are out of time, but it, it's wonderful to okay. have your introduction of Changshindong, which is well, Changshin Station's on Line 6, just a few stops down from Itaewon, so it's pretty accessible as well. Um, for those who are in central Seoul. Thank you so much for uh, speaking with us. Thank you so much for having me. Curator Stephanie Sungman Kim, Associate Curator for Project Seoul Apparel. And if you're feeling under a wave of cultural inspiration, let's now focus our attention to living space, especially the sustainability aspect of the Hanok, the traditional Korean house, while urban developments often presented as being contentious. Preservation gets overlooked in the heat of real estate speculation, another topic we often focus on. Uh, let's connect with Robert Fowser, an expert on Bukchon and Sochon, or North Village and West Village respectively, the author of Hanok, the Korean House, who recently attended the International Forum on Traditional Architecture in Frankfurt and joins us on the line from Germany today. Thank you very much for speaking with us. Thank you for inviting me. It's good to speak with you again. Likewise. So uh, first, uh, retracing some of the steps, uh, I guess, last time we spoke to you, can you give us a brief history of, of the Hanok villages, Bukchon and Sochon, that have captured so much of your interest? Well, it's a very, you know, the story is very long, but the Hanok that we see today, um, they originated in the 1930s. Um, so they're rather recent, and you know, if you think of architecture history, and they, especially Bukchan, the Hanok and Bukchan were mostly developments, small, you know, bit large pieces of land that were cut up into small lots, and then they were sold to prospective buyers. Sochan had a different process. Um, there, there weren't any large scale developments in Sochan, so it looks different from that point of view because the development in Sochan was not planned. It was much more organic. So it's something that you go into in your book, the blueprint for Bukchon being intertwined right. with the nationalist movement during Japanese colonial rule. Mm-hmm. Can, can you tell us a bit more yes. about how Japan influenced this? Well, Japan really didn't influence the uh, construction of Hanuk per se. They kind of let it happen, but um, basically, the person who made, you know, did the first development in Bukchan was a man named Jung Se-Gwan, and he was connected with people in the cultural nationalist movement in the 1930s. And cultural nationalism was things like the newspapers in Korean, um, writing, making a dictionary for the Korean language, arts, different things like that. So he knew those people and funded them. He would often give donations and things like that. So his idea was the sort of architectural expression of Koreanness in homes. Yeah, and and when I say influence, I I don't necessarily mean directly, but rather perhaps provoking right, this, right. this this nationalist movement. Provoking it, yes. Yeah, yes, I mean exactly. you yourself have obviously captured this this passion for Hanok with your writing, but also you've lived it personally too. Um, what what right. is it like living in a Hanok home? Well, I've lived in actually two different kinds of Hanok. I, the first Hanok I lived in was from 1988. I saw the Olympics <laughs> at that time. And then 1988 to 1989, that was one year. And that was a sort of non-renovated Hanok. I mean, it, it had a sort of a kind of a modern kitchen, but 
it had the old Yuntan system, and I lived with several other people in other parts of the house um, renting it. Mm. And the more recent time was when, in the early, say, the 2000, 2012 to 2014, when I was in the model town of Sochan, that uh, I was involved in modernizing it. So they were very different experiences. But, of course, the common thing about Hano having wood and a courtyard and all of those things are common between the two. I've I've had the pleasure of visiting friends living in Hanok and obviously going to Hanok for other events like converted restaurants right. and so on. It, it, it's, there is something mm-hmm. special about that atmosphere, but it also always strikes me that the rooms are a little small for the kind of living that I'm used to. Right, and yeah, yeah I think you have to get rid of all your furniture, first of all. You mm. just have to, you know... <laughs> You have to get rid of all your furniture. And I lived in Japan um, before coming to Korea, so I was used to sleeping on the floor. Um, so I didn't have a bed. <laughs> and I, I still like to sleep on the floor, although, you know, in America, floors are so cold, I wouldn't dare do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, even the sleeping yeah. on the floor thing I've so. done in, in the apartment setting, it just the open plan <laughs> living room seems so ubiquitous that to do away with it. Um, yes. It's yeah. kind of odd, but but charming too, and it's wonderful. Yeah, what what do you think of the government's Hanok preservation policy? Well, that's a, a subject of controversy, and actually, there are different eras of it. There are different stages. So the first stage was Bukchan because that started. You know, that was a very um, controversial. I mean, preservation in Bukchan. The controversy goes back to the nineteen eighties. So that, Bukchan was the sort of first experiment of preserving Hanok, and then they applied what they had learned in Bukchan to Sochan, and recently the, all Hanok in Seoul, in Seoul are now, uh, can be preserved. So uh, there are sort of three stages, the Bukchan, Bukchan stage, the Sochan stage, and then now all of Seoul. And the difference is mainly the amount of money um, different guidelines about how things are done. When they did Bukchan, they wanted to sort of turn it into a 19th century kind of Choson period estate, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> motif. And they they were very tight about how you could remodel a house, the sort of aesthetic things that you could do. And with Sochan, that didn't really fit, and so they loosened those kind of restrictions, and they've even loosened them further um, with you know, the areas outside of Sochan and Bukchan. So it's a, the government has learned a lot um, in, over the years um, in, you know, applying their policy. But the critics... We've just... We can still hear you, Mr. Fowler, but the line's gone oh, very okay. quiet. Can I just... Okay, yes. Yes, can you hear me now? Yes, we can. Okay. Uh, the, yeah, the, one of the critiques of the government policy or preservation policy is that there's too much remodeling, that too much of the old is taken away, and I think that's something that needs to be fine-tuned in the future. But, I, I'm curious as well, uh, just briefly, you know, when you attend these international forums like you've been doing uh, in Frankfurt, 
Right. Is there much interest in in building Hanok homes in other countries? Sometimes we see, uh, I, I think, um, in in quite wide open societies, liberal countries, uh, architecture following suit, and and you'll find housing estates with a, a, an eclectic mix, mm-hmm. sometimes borrowing from from tradition. Um, has the Hanok tradition managed to be translated anywhere else that you're aware of? No, and I think that's probably one of the reasons why this uh, Korean house, this Hanok Fair was held in Frankfurt, is to get raise awareness overseas of Hanok, because people who don't know anything about Korea don't know much about Hanok. And there are Koreans, overseas Koreans, who live, say, in Germany or America or Canada, etc., overseas Koreans who kind of miss Hanuk and want to do some sort of Hanuk feeling, give some sort of Hanuk feeling to their house. Um, or maybe put a small um, uh, structure, build a kind of, you know, addition to their house mm. in a Hanuk style. But there are no Hanuk villages overseas. So that's, that's another stage. Be interesting to see um, yeah, it would be, it would be in, in, an, in an unlikely setting. Middle of Los Angeles or something. Yeah. Um, Robert Fowler, author of Hanok, exactly. The Korean House. Great to have you on the line with us. Yes. Are, are, are we finished? or do you I'm, afraid, I'm afraid we questions? are out of time, but it's always a pleasure speaking oh, with you. And we'll look okay. forward to next time. We wish you a, yeah. a safe trip back from Germany. Okay. Thank you very much.